the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Listen to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You shall be as frontals on your foreheads, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, your children have a constant reminder, constant reminder to follow the Lord. You love the Lord. You speak of the Lord. You put all kinds of indications around the home that this is a home that follows the Lord. So God has given people the ability to reproduce because he wants godly people. And I think there's something more as we go back to Genesis 9. We have to remember that every one of us is descended from one of Noah's sons. But there's something more here. Remember back in chapter 3, verse 15, right at the fall of man, God said in verse 15, and I will put enmity, speaking to the serpent, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to Satan, and between your seed and her seed, he, meaning one of your seed, one of the women's seed here, he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. We know that speaks of Jesus, that speaks of Messiah. There has to be one born who would die for our sins and would bring a crushing blow to Satan. And that's why one reason, as we go to Genesis 9, why you had to have children born, because one of those children would be the Messiah. For verse by verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We will soon be finished with our study on Noah and the flood. I would like to call today's session Family Day because Pastor Steve is going to continue to teach us about the importance of raising godly children. As we just heard a few minutes ago, God wants parents to be so godly that it oozes out of them all the time and their children catch all that godliness and in turn become followers of Christ. When you think about this statement, God is not willing for any to perish, but that all should come to repentance, we see the importance, first of all, of godly living, of a godly life, and then raising godly children, and then sharing the gospel with people we know. Uh, But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's get comfortable and listen carefully to today's verse-by-verse program. Here is our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff. This was God's purpose in having Israel. Israel was to be an elect people. Now, I realize that all the Israelites in the Old Testament were not believers, not saying that, but that was God's design to have an elect people who would follow him and they were to pass on their faith to their children. That's why in Deuteronomy, 
You have that great statement in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shammai, which is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Listen to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You shall be as frontals on your forehead heads and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, your children have a constant reminder, constant reminder to follow the Lord. You love the Lord. You speak of the Lord. You put all kinds of indications around the home that this is a home that follows the Lord. So God has given people the ability to reproduce because he wants godly people. And I think there's something more as we go back to Genesis 9. We have to remember that every one of us is descended from one of Noah's sons. But there's something more here. Remember back in chapter 3, verse 15, right at the fall of man, God said in verse 15, and I will put enmity, speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to Satan, and between your seed and her seed, he, meaning one of your seed, one of the women's seed here, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. We know that speaks of Jesus, that speaks of Messiah. There has to be one born who would die for our sins and would bring a crushing blow to Satan. And that's why one reason, as we go to Genesis 9, why you had to have children born, because one of those children would be the Messiah. So God wants us to produce children. He wants couples to reproduce for the right reasons. He wants a godly seed. He wants those who will follow him. Now that's really pretty simple. We're going to move on from there. We want to look at the second regulation for mankind that uh, assures our preservation. The first one's very simple. First one is the production of children. The second regulation for mankind that assures our preservation is provision of food. Not only production of children, but provision of food. Notice verse two. And the fear of you and the terror of you shall be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hand they are given. After the flood, animals and man had a different relationship. Fear and terror of human beings now characterize animals. Now you see, before this, people and animals had a different relationship. Think about Noah on the ark. Now, I don't know that Noah was Dr. Doolittle, you know, talking to the animals, but they had a peaceful coexistence, and God brought the animals to Noah. They certainly did not fear him. And remember, Adam was given the task of naming all the animals. God brought the animals to Adam and paraded them before him. But something has changed now. Generally, though there are some exceptions, generally, Animals from this point on seek to flee whenever people come around. Now, it's very interesting that of all the animals mentioned, domesticated animals are not mentioned here like cattle. So I take it that he's talking about primarily wild beasts, not your pets. Although some have pets who might flee from you. But now they seek to flee at the approach of people. And the question is why? Why now? And what is this about? The answer is found in verse 3. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant. The reason they run from us is they know that we want to eat them. That's why they run from us. Now, I don't know that they think a whole lot about that. I don't know what goes on in the brain of an animal. But from this point on, man can eat these animals, their meat. He can also eat vegetables as well. And do you understand what's going on here? If animals didn't have the fear of people in their hearts, these animals would never survive. 
They would never survive. They would walk innocently into the hands of waiting man who would kill them. You say, well, I thought they were supposed to do that. Yeah, but if they did this without being a hunt, and initially, especially if they did this, man would kill all the animals. It would be too easy. He'd kill all the animals, and there'd be no animals for us to eat. And at least at that point, they could not have survived. If there was no fear of man, these friendly little creatures would just walk right in and be killed. If that happens, we would kill every breed to extinction and no animals left for us. And you say, well, I don't understand. Couldn't they have eaten vegetables then? Apparently not. Apparently after the flood, the topography and the climates changed so much on the earth that there wasn't enough vegetation to go around. You'd have deserts now and polar systems and a lot more water covering the earth and climates would be different. There wasn't enough vegetation. So now we can kill animals. Now let's stop here and think for a few moments about this because we want to nail this down because there's a lot of funny thinking about this. God has said he has given us all animals and all food to enjoy. All the food that we need to eat. Meat as well as vegetables. There are some people who have a problem with that. And it usually comes across two lines. Let me just tell you the two lines. Sometimes there are believers, Christian leaders. I know of Christian leaders who have taught this. They have a problem with this because they say that we are to restrict our diets. We're to be like Old Testament Israel. They couldn't eat all meat, all food, and we're to be like them. And so we need to go back to the law. Listen, we are not Old Testament Israel. We're not Old Testament Israel. That's legalism. God made it very clear to Peter. Remember, Peter was on the rooftop and the sheet came down and all the animals were on there, pictures of them. And God said, arise and eat. And Peter said, Lord, I've never eaten non-kosher food. And God said, you will now. You will now. There's no distinction. You go and eat. And it was difficult for Peter. Listen, when you've been raised to never eat sweet and sour pork, and then you can, that's not easy. But Peter did that. And in fact, in fact, when Peter fell back into hypocrisy, remember in Galatians chapter 2, Paul rebuked Peter because Peter was eating one way with the Gentile believers, but when the Jewish believers came down from Judea, he started eating another way, and Paul said, I rebuked him to his face because he was a hypocrite. So Peter fell back into those dietary laws. Listen, don't let anybody rob you of the freedom you have in Jesus Christ. You are not bound by the law. And you know what? There are some who try. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Because there is a very important passage of Scripture on this. Very important passage. Paul says, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Watch this. This is very, very helpful. He said, But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and to doctrines of demons. What we're about to hear is a doctrine of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Here's what they teach. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. Watch this. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, these people probably, these false teachers, probably were not Jewish legalists. They were probably Gnostics who taught that anything material was evil. They were into asceticism, and so they related all these things to the body, and anything that was related to material things was evil, and therefore should be avoided. But in answering their error, the Apostle Paul said that no food is to be rejected. Do you have that? 
No food is to be rejected. All the food that God has created for man, which includes animals, all animals, is good. It's to be received with gratitude. Let me ask you this. Do you receive your food with gratitude? I find that a lot of times I just go through a prayer because it's the thing to do, but I'm not really thinking about thanking the Lord. I mean, I'm saying the right words. But you know what? This ought to be a time of worship. When you go out today or you have lunch at home, when you pray, you need to make this a time of worship. In fact, look at verse 5 again. It says, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. What does he mean by that? When we acknowledge that God's word tells us that he's provided our food for us and we offer a prayer of thanksgiving, hey, that's a worship, a worship experience. That's an occasion for worship and praise. And I hope that you'll think about this more often. Because I think we take for granted our food. Do you realize how many restaurants we have in this area? I hope you realize that. You can go to a restaurant every day and it take you the whole year to do all these restaurants. I don't think we think about the food that we have. I don't think we take it as God's provision for us. But if God didn't provide it, you and I aren't living much longer. God has provided food for us and we need to enjoy it and not feel guilty about it unless you eat too much. Then you ought to feel real guilty about that. But you eat whatever you want And you enjoy it because God has provided it for you. Now, that's one problem that people have. And I'm telling you, even Christian leaders get into this. Reject that kind of teaching. You are the church age. You are church people. You are people in this era. You are not Old Testament Israel. Secondly, another problem about eating animal meat comes from those who either feel bad for animals or uh, animal rights groups who have, in their zeal to protect animals, absolutely lost all perspective of man. Absolutely. A few years ago, an article appeared in the American Family Association Journal entitled Lost in the Wilderness, and I think this illustrates how absurd this stuff becomes. This is true. I'm just going to read from this. I'm taking word for word. Jack Landon, a 42-year-old mechanic, is facing multiple counts of aggravated cruelty to animals as a result of his 21-day fight for survival when lost in the Adirondack Mountains in upstate New York. Last April, Landon's pickup skidded on a muddy road and he slid into a ravine. In the collision, he struck his head and awoke with no recollection of who or where he was. He aimlessly wandered off with a severely injured right foot. For three weeks, he tried to stay alive, surviving on fish caught with a pointed stick and squirrels he trapped then killed with the same stick. On the 21st day of his ordeal, he finally reached civilization. Landon's highly publicized story caught the attention of humans for the sensitive treatment of animals. The animal rights advocacy group pressed the state of New York to bring charges of extreme cruelty to animals with special circumstances against him, specifying the known deaths of at least 10 squirrels and an undetermined number of fish. I'm not kidding you. This happened. Each count of the Class A felony carries a mandatory sentence of nine years without parole. One argument the state is expected to raise is that the number of animals Landon killed was unnecessarily large, owing to the fact that by moving around about he elevated his caloric requirements, had he conserved his energy and waited for rescuers to find him, he would not have needed more than one small fish and a few berries each day. Landon also faces a third-degree charge of failure to wear a seatbelt and 21 federal charges of setting fire at unapproved sites on state lands. Now, folks... Is that ludicrous? Is this a world gone mad? Is this a world that's lost perspective? Let me ask you this. What about a Christian who is a vegetarian? And there are. 
Well, my response to that, in case you're wondering, would be, it depends why. It depends why a Christian would be a vegetarian. If he's doing it for personal health reasons, you know, I don't like the way the meat's processed, and he wants to eat organically, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. But if it's because of the dignity of animals, then I have a real problem with that. A real problem. Because that is a pantheistic Hindu view of nature. I wish I could take you all to India to see how the cow is elevated. You hear about that, you read about that, but imagine traveling on US-19 trying to avoid Brahmin cows. Now, people I don't think are avoided that much, but cows are avoided because you might be killing somebody's grandma or aunt or whatever. In India, they have elevated cows above humans because they have no concept of man being made in the image of God. We need to make sure as believers that we don't follow that kind of thinking. Maybe we don't go as far as they would go with reincarnation, but we need to make sure that we don't elevate a cow. So you know what? My advice to you is go home and have a good steak, good juicy steak, and enjoy it. Just enjoy it. In fact, I saw a bumper sticker. Michelle and I were in California. We saw this bumper sticker. I love animals. They taste great and fur is warm. Now, nobody is saying be cruel to animals. Bible doesn't teach that, but God has provided animals for us. And you know what I think settles it? I want you to see this rather than me just tell you this. Luke, turn to Luke 24. What ought to settle, if you didn't know anything else, Luke 24 settles the whole issue because Jesus ate animal food even in his resurrected body. Luke 24, verse 41 says, And while they still could not believe it for joy, that is, they couldn't believe he had appeared to them for joy, and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? That's great. They're just dumbfounded that the Lord is here. He said, Got something to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Listen, if Jesus ate fish in his resurrected state, that's good enough for us. God has provided it for us. I just think that settles it. So God assures our preservation by providing food for us. And God has done that. What a gracious thing. But there's one restriction found in verse 4. Back to Genesis 9. One restriction. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life. That is, its blood. One restriction. Before eating an animal, God says its blood was to be drained. Now, the text doesn't explain why. It could be one of two reasons. It could actually be both reasons, but let me present them to you. It could be that because the cults in the Canaan people, which the Jewish people were around, remember Genesis is written to them, God was warning the Jewish people that blood was to be drained because the cults around them actually drank the blood of animals, thinking that they would get their strength and virility and all of that. That could be part of it. But I suspect that the primary reason God said don't drink the blood is because while the flesh was given for meat, blood was given for what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Leviticus 17.11, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. The life of an animal, which is its blood, spilled on the altar, was accepted by God as a substitutionary death for a guilty sinner. Blood-covered sin, pointing to the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, who would not cover sin, but take away the sins of the world. Now, the point of this is to say that God has given man food to sustain him. Noah was told that the only thing he could not take of the animal was its blood. Everything else is a go. You know what that means for us? 
You could eat anything you want. You could eat any part of animal you want. You could eat pig's knuckles. You could have little fish eggs called caviar. If you can afford them, you can have them. You can eat liver. You could eat tongue. Oh, gross. Gross. We did this. My mom used to buy tongue, and I never thought about what it was. You could eat these little fish called mussels. You could eat sardines. Yeah, if you want. Yeah, you could eat herring. Am I making you hungry? You want to go out and eat now? You could eat herring. That's the thing people say. It puts hair on your chest. I think it takes it off. That stuff is... uh, You could eat clams. You could eat oysters. Listen, whatever you want, you can eat. But do not dignify animals to the exalted position of you feel so bad for them that you couldn't possibly eat them. That's God's provision for you. He's the one who did this. So God has provided animals for us as food, and we're told to kill animals. But the next regulation forbids us from killing people. The first regulation for mankind that assures our preservation is the production of children. The second regulation is the provision of food. And the third is the punishment for murder. Verse 5. And surely I will require your lifeblood from every beast. I will require it. And from every man, from every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Now, this verse clearly states that anyone, beast or man, who kills a human, God requires their life. If you kill an animal, God doesn't require your life. But if you kill a human, even an animal kills a human, God requires its life. Now, up to this point in human history, do you realize this regulation was not in effect? Cain killed Abel. And God did not take the life of Cain. In fact, he protected him. He protected him with either some kind of mark or a sign to Cain so that anybody who touched Cain, God would deal with them. And then Cain had a descendant named Lamech who boasted of killing a young man. And God, as far as we know, never took his life as well. So this is brand new. This is brand new. After the flood, God introduces the death penalty for taking a human life. Why? Why now? Why at this point in history? Here's the point. In order to convey to Noah and his sons and to us that life is sacred. Life is not cheap. Remember where we are in biblical history. God has just wiped out the whole planet. He doesn't want Noah getting the thought or anybody that life is cheap. That life is not important. I mean, billions of people have just been killed. And God wants Noah to understand that he should hold life dear. Human life is special. Man's life is of value. Why is it of value? Why is it important? Verse 6. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. By this verse, God not only establishes the superiority of human life over animal life, because man was made in the image of God, animals are not, but he also established the death penalty is to be carried out by human government. You may not realize that, but when verse 6 says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, by man means human government. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, the text doesn't say human government, but the rest of Scripture states that. In the Old Testament, the Jewish authorities, civil authorities, acted as judges to carry out the death penalty. And in the New Testament, Romans chapter 13, let's look there, Paul specifically states that government has the right to carry out the death penalty. Romans 13, very important, verses 1 through 4, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, 
He who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Watch this. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what's good, and you'll have praise from the same. For it is a minister, that is government, is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For government, it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it's a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. When Paul speaks of they do not have the sword in vain, the sword was the instrument for carrying out capital punishment, carrying out the death penalty. Jesus said the same thing, all they who take the sword will perish what? With the sword. Same thing. You kill, God requires your life. Life is precious to God. As Pastor Steve pointed out toward the end of our program today, God had just wiped out most of the human race. But he wanted Noah to realize that human life is precious. We should not take it lightly. Why does life have value? Why does your life and everyone else's life have value? When God told Noah humanity was made in the image of God, he established that human life was elevated above animal life. In our verse-by-verse broadcast, Pastor Steve will continue with that thought and also weave into that the importance of human government. I know it's easy to complain about governments, but God established human government for a reason, and we will see what that is on our next program. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 